Hi, I'm Cody. And I'm Alex. And this is Fringe Average Nerds, where we discuss the MCU and all things popular nerd culture. Welcome to episode number two. We're going to discuss uh, further into the uh, madness that is WandaVision. Um, and madness feels a little uh, on the nose, especially considering that she's supposed to appear in the multiverse of madness. But this, these next few episodes, uh, four through six, seem to delve more into that potential and what we could be looking at as far as uh, as far as uh, multiverse and what that's going to look like for the MCU. But uh, first off. Alex, how you doing today? I'm doing well. You know, happy President's Day, everyone out there. You know, we're recording this on President's Day, so enjoy. Hopefully, you enjoyed your day off today. Well, I definitely did, since it's like Jotunheim levels of frost giant cold here um, in Kansas. It is just beyond beyond. I know we have some buddies up in the or down in the Texas area, they're just dealing with uh, snow in ways that they couldn't imagine. So uh, I hope everyone out there is doing well, doing safe. Um, uh, we're, we're thinking about you guys, but uh, if you don't mind, we'll jump right in and we'll get right into episode four here. Um, Let's do it. All right. We start with um, quite the fun moment for me. I was a huge Captain Marvel fan and I enjoyed having uh, both uh, Maria and Monica Rambeau in, in, in that movie. And uh, we get a little bit of a nod to that as uh, we come, come as we see her coming back from the, from the snap or the blip as they're calling it on, on the show now. Um, and uh, we get the, that distant voice calling out to someone referring to them as Lieutenant trouble, which I loved that nod. Um but we see Monica Rambeau coming back. Um, but as she comes back, so do a whole lot of people in the hospital that she's in. Um, she's talking to a doctor there to trying to figure out what's going on and asks about her mother, Maria, um, who she thought was recovering from surgery. And the doctor lets her know that, uh, no, her mother died three years ago, uh, two years after Monica disappeared. So that was quite a jolt to, especially when we've been living in the sitcom reality for the past three episodes. Um, and all of a sudden we get this kind of flashback to when the snap happens and seeing Monica come back the way she does, is pretty jarring. what do you think of that, Alex? Yeah, it was one of my favorite moments so far of the series, just to see, you know, something like, like you said, go from the, go from that atmosphere that they had in the first three episodes to there, like in, into the, you know, quote unquote re- real, real world. And, you know, seeing the snap, like how people reacted to coming back, uh, the, you know, uh, the, the blip, what, because, you know, the originally one of the first things we saw of the blip were in Spider-Man homecoming. I mean, far from home. Um, you know, it was kind of a more a comedic way of coming back, you know, all the kids in the gymnasium, uh, that was they were trying to make fun at it, really. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> in this, I think I like the more serious way, and I think in the future we should have more sh- maybe another show or maybe just a show, like a general show about people coming back and how, like everything like that. See, like a just a it would be interesting to see what uh, what other things happened, like when people came back, or even just 
even just during the five years, how people dealt with it. Like we can get to that later when we talk about Hayward, what he said in episode six about that. But Mm. that's interesting to see that too. Absolutely. I I feel like they do need to do something like, even if it's just a a little mini series or some kind of shorts they put, put out or somewhere or something, but something that kind of deals with the trauma of, because you have to imagine that, it's quite a trauma traumatizing experience for people who lose somebody in the snap. They're gone for five years. They've probably moved on and lived, lived their lives without them and mourned them and, and, and just, you know, went on with their lives. And then all of a sudden they're back. And that has to be some extra set of crazy trauma for, for people to deal with. And I'm sure we'll get at least doses of that. Um, as we move forward, both from the perspective of the Avengers and then maybe also for more uh, street level people. But um, I do hope they touch on that more. Um, but uh, yeah, so then after that, we get Monica trying to come back to her life as it was. Uh, she tries to uh, come to S.W.O.R.D. headquarters. And this is the first direct reference that we've seen to S.W.O.R.D. A actually existing and be existing in what the, what the real world is. Um, sword here, uh, stands for sentient weapon, uh, gosh, sentient weapon, um, observation and response division. Um, it's new to the, uh, it's a new, new idea to what we have with sword because before sword was uh sort of a uh a space almost a space division of shield in the comics i forget what the exact uh reference is to it but um this is the first glimpse that we kind of see of sword and a lot of confusion with that because we don't know if sword is a part of or at least initially it doesn't make it blatantly obvious whether or not sword is a part of shield or if it's its own uh directive but uh what how do you how do you feel about Sword in the in the MCU and how they're handling it? I think it's starting off well, and I kind of I'm I'm kind of going off on a limb and guessing that uh, you know he said when Hayward was talking there, like he said he he introduced himself as acting director, so I'm kind of guessing that Fury's the the, the real director, um, which is you know in Spider Man Far From Home, Dan there he was up in space and and watching well. Uh, you know, as Talos was acting as him on Earth, um, so I I kind of feel like that's you know I feel like that's how it is, but but I really like the way the direction they're going with it. I think you kind of sense something's up off with Hayward too, though. It's I feel like I mean it can be seen in the, over the episodes as we get going, but it seems a lot of it something feels off with him, just the way he acts and gets into big arguments over stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell right away that uh, Hayward and uh, Monica have some sort of a uh, <clears throat> a uh, existing friendship, and and you know she she seems to have some sort of you know gives gives Hayward his blessing as far as you know uh, or her blessing as far as you know being the acting direct, director now that uh, Monica's mother Maria is gone, so. Um, but we move on from that. Um, Hayward decides to, uh, keep her off of, off of, uh, 
any kind of aerial duty. She, he, he said, I think she has said something to the effect of she's grounded literally. Um, and decides to give her a different case. Um, one that deals with the missing persons case that the FBI is working on, um, in Jersey. And I was kind of excited at first with the Jersey tangent. Cause I was, I was halfway wondering if, uh, that was maybe a reference to, uh, to Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. and uh, that we were getting direct references to her right away, but that doesn't seem to be the case, at least not yet. But um, we get her, we get her coming to New Jersey, uh, meeting just outside of the town of Westview, where she meets Jimmy Wu, who, first of all, spectacularly does the uh, the 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 card trick uh, to display his. Uh, his info which is which is absolutely amazing a great reference to uh uh and in the wasp and and jimmy we working with uh lang there um that was but, that was definitely a great moment i love now that's what marvel does great is just like calling back to previous moments and stuff like that even just little things it's just such a great way to give the give the show that you're watching and the characters that you're seeing a very lived in feel, you feel like this is part of a greater universe, but you also feel like these are characters that are fleshed out and that are interesting from the jump and some, and guys you can really attach yourselves to. So it's pretty great. Um, but we find out, you know, that, uh, who's working on this case. Um, And as he explains the particular circumstances of the case as a missing person that was in the witness protection program, only now all of the known associates and relatives have never heard of him. Uh, He also introduces Rambo to the local sheriff who claims the town of Westview doesn't actually exist. Uh, Lou explains that he's been trying to contact all the residents of Westview, but it's had zero luck. Um, They're not, and that, the line that I love is that he says they're no longer dealing with a case of missing person, but a missing town, which is some real X-Files type nonsense, which is pretty great. Um, But when he asks, or when when Monica asks why they haven't gone to the town to investigate, Wu explains there's just some sort of barrier shrouding the town that keeps telling him that, or keeps giving him the feeling that he doesn't want, want to. Um, so we get the sword drone um, flying into town and we get, and it's the, it's the, it's the drone that we see in episode two that, that lands that is uh, in color in their black and white town. Um, so we get it. We get to see now why that, or at least a little bit of an idea of why that that drone is in color when everything else is in in black and white. Um, But then when Monica Rambeau decides to uh, investigate the energy field because the drone disappears in front of them, um, she reaches out to touch the field and gets pulled into the town and just disappears. Um, So how did you feel about that being the way that uh, Monica gets in inject inter, interjected into the uh, into the town. 
I thought it was great. I th I think it was a perfect way to make her go in there, um, you know, and answer the question of how she ended up in there in the first place. You know, like because I everyone knew when they saw Geraldine, that's who that was. So I, they were all everybody was wondering what happened and how it started. So I, you know, going back to when she got snapped back, like I just loved the way that they did the whole episode at the beginning, just showing her backstory and like how she ended up going from going from there to into the town. Yeah, absolutely. The the way that they structured all of this is, is is quite fantastic. I I think I know that for a lot of people it was kind of a slow drag, kind of dealing with the sitcommy bits going from one to two to three. Um, it felt slow to some people. It felt like you know that there wasn't anything happening, but you could see watching the little structures that that they were building is that there was something that they were moving towards. Um, and that now with episode four, we kind of get to get that redux. We get to go back and see what they were building, at least see it from an outside perspective. Um, so that's pretty great. Um, so then we finally get our first uh, view of, uh, of Darcy Lewis played by Kat Dennings, which I was of course excited about. Uh, uh, Darcy, of course, being previously uh, Jane Foster's assistant went back in, in the, the first couple Thor movies. Um, but Darcy's shown immediately to be a bit of a quick thinker and able to understand that, you know, when they're pulling, when S.W.O.R.D. is pulling all of these uh, scientists in, that they clearly don't know what they're, that they're, what they're dealing with. Um, so they arrive at the at the sword response base outside of Westview. Um, they get let in. They get they tell about the uh, or they get to see the drone that gets sent in and disappear. Um, so how did you feel? Or what did you think about including Darcy in the story? Because it almost feels a little bit outside of. Uh, it, it it almost feels like she's shoehorned in in a certain way, but at the same rate, it kind of gives you the idea, like, especially when you see that, you know, they have the army here and they have sword here and they have the FBI and they have all these different agencies working together. So that's Darcy puts it that you can tell that they're dealing with something outside of their scope. But how did you feel about Darcy kind of getting uh, jammed into the, into the show here? I think it was, you know, interesting to see that, you know, it's a definitely a character that they need to needed to do more with. But, you know, she hasn't been in any of the movies or anything since, you know, Thor the Dark World and um yeah, you know, just kind of feel like we left where we were left unanswered with where she was and what what's going on and it, now according to her she's also now a, you know, scientist uh, actually, so like not just or what was it, doctor? Yeah, she's a doctor now. So it's like that's now we know like where she was those past years and what she's been doing and now she's definitely a great character to have in the show i i really like her her, her character and the just the vibe she gets and you know, as we touch on moving forward here the, like you know when her and Wu end up meeting like they have a great connection that like when they first first start talking but then um once you know once darcy is there and she plugs up her equipment there and gets an inside image of westview and then asks, you know, obviously gets a TV uh, 
set up so she can watch the you know watch the show like it's literally watching the show within the show which was really funny to see to see that uh, so i i really liked that part um you know her, her she was getting started to get invested and stuff you know that once she said oh i'm invested <laughs> uh, that that was hilarious <laughs> oh the fact that they got so invested in that both Darcy and Jimmy were just sitting there watching the show after a while and just watching it like a, like a show, like you would with just any kind of sitcom series or whatever. That was pretty great. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of people, myself included are like jumping at the idea of them being like, like doing some sort of uh, almost buddy cop drama type show. Yeah. Something kind of like an ex, files type situation and i know that i think even i can't remember if it was cat or if it was randall park saying that that they wanted that too that they were hoping that there would be something like that that would come out of this which i i think i would love and i know there's a lot of people on twitter clamoring for that so that would be pretty pretty yeah, sweet i think i would love that too and you know the one scene was funny too when she was like asking for coffee he's like can somebody get me a coffee <laughs> and then nobody got her but then episode episode five was Jimmy getting her one. <laughs> yes. Jimmy got all three of them a coffee. That was, that was great. And I feel like that's something that the, that the writers and the director have done a pretty good job of just paying off little jokes like that or paying off little moments. Um, it's been, I mean, I feel like they've done a pretty good job with both the pacing and kind of the just timing of everything that's happening in the show. I feel like they've, they've really built something up here and they're doing a spectacular job with it. Um, it helps that they've had, I think just one, uh, person directing the entire show, at least so far, I think he, uh, Matt Shackman. I hope that's how you say his name. Um, I think he's in line to direct all of the episodes and though they've had different writers on, on every episode, they've done a pretty good job of, of having a pretty good, uh, through line on, on, on all of the, yeah. all of the shows and being able to keep it moving in a steady direction. So that's pretty great that we've, we've seen that so far from this. Oh yeah. And I love like the next part of that, when we see the agent that suits up in a hazmat suit and then enters, goes down the sewers, enters and enters Westview from there. And that's how we see the beekeeper. That's, you know, they answer the question of what happened oh, there. Yeah. And, I'm still wondering what happened to the beekeeper after, after she like, like says no and stop like makes it goes makes it go back. Like what even happened to him after that? Is he just that's deleted? a good point because they did try to pull him out and all they got was the I think it was a jump rope that was the yeah. end of the rope there. Yeah, because we still haven't town, seen him yet. The town turned turned the, the rope into a jump rope and it was like. It was funny the way it looked. It looked almost animated. Yeah. And it's weird, this sort of maniacal balance of both com comic kind of little goofy stuff like that, but also just this dread that's a along with it, too, that's going on with the, wait, where did he go and what's going on and why is Wanda doing all of this? And, and, uh, and, but yeah, we get... But yeah, we see 
the uh, end of episode three again through the through the uh, through the through the sitcom view of it. Yeah. Um, but, but then we also get to break in and see the end, the end again, also with uh, with Monica as Geraldine mentioning Ultron to to Wanda. Yeah. And that funny, the funny part of that whole thing, watching the end, you know, uh, Wu, he, he acts like, so the universe created a sitcom starring two Avengers. Oh, (laughs) it's a working theory. Yeah. That was, that was one of the best scenes. Yeah. Uh, but see, but seeing Geraldine mention Ultron and we see, uh, Jimmy and Darcy kind of freak out because they're like, wait, did they mention the actual reality in it? And this is the first instance where we see that, see that happen. Um, And then they watch um, the the sitcom just jumps to the end credits um, and they don't get to see what happened to Monica. Um, But then the alarm sounds that, that we, and we see them run off with everybody else to go check it out. Uh, but then we get the glimpse in inside uh, inside their home, um, where Wanda's questioning Geraldine about how she she could even know about Ultron, um, and tell and then tells her she wants her to leave, and then uses her powers to just bust her through several walls of of their house and other homes through Westview, and then just jump her out of out of the. Uh, out of the pocket reality that they're in. Um, Mm -hmm. And then she uses her powers to fix up the walls. Um, And just, and then vision comes in and we're bouncing back and forth here because they, they see the, they show the sword agents coming to Monica and she's laying on the ground and she says, it's Wanda. It's all Wanda, which at least, you know, from the perspective of, her and the sword agents that's all that they that they know for sure is that Wanda is the one that seems to be controlling everything um but then jumping back in and this is the moment that still just horrifies me to no end every time i see an image of it or or rewatch it um vision comes in and she turns around and she freaks out because we see him looking like he did um after thanos ripped the mind stone from him and so it is like full-on grayscale zombie vision and it is just a it is just disturbing and it's just it 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 i don't want to say takes you out of it because i don't think it's designed to do that as much as necessarily just gives you that jolt of holy smokes what is going on here yeah that was a terrifying scene and I liked how they were able to, you know, bounce, bounce between like going, changing the aspect, re- aspect ratio, like from, you know, the widescreen to like the whatever aspect, oh, yeah. aspect it is for like a that when they were in the sitcom world. Mm-hmm. Like that was I love how they were able to just bounce between the two of them like that, like so easily. 
yeah, they've done a remarkable job of just uh, just everything with the cinematography and just everything that that Shackman's done as far as directing this. It's just been an absolute. I I hate to see say work of art, but for lack of a better way to put it, it's an absolute work of art. It's absolutely stunning and both gorgeous and haunting and just absolutely surreal. And I, I just, I love everything about it. Yeah. And this, the song at the end of the episode was like the perfect song, Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I mean, first of all, I love Jimi Hendrix, but second of all, it's just, you're right. An ab- the absolute perfect uh, song, the song title, just giving the, giving the vibes of what's going on. Just the absolute manic, uh, chaos and magic of what Wanda's doing is just absolutely yep that's just the perfect thing to play right there what should we watch tonight uh, <laughs> trying uh, it's just it breaks it breaks my heart and it's also kind of I go back and forth about how I feel about how they're handling Wanda as a character because I mean obviously it's a it's a character that's dealt that's been dealing with a lot of trauma and just from, from the get go, her whole life, just her parents being, being being killed in Sokovia when they're young and then um, losing her brother, how she did. And then, you know, losing vision now and just trying to reconstruct and recreate this reality where she gets to be happy and have her, and have her life back the way it was. And it, it's a, it's a great story arc, but it's also kind of troublesome because it's kind of that old trope of, you know, uh, it's a, it's a comic booky trope, but it is, it's one that you see a lot where this, where a woman has great power, but deals with a lot of trauma and suddenly goes crazy and just, and it kind of, it can be, troublesome and i feel like they've been doing a great job of handling it and i know they have a lot of they've had a lot of female writers in the in the room um, and you can see that in the written credits of of the of the episodes and so i'm glad that we at least have it from from female writers handling it and handling that perspective but it's just when it kind of gets me like uh, uh, i don't know about this because you know um that can be handled very poorly, but I feel like they've done at least a decent job of it so far. We'll see how it goes as it, as they finish up with it. But um, I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping for the best here. Yeah. So I, I guess we're through episode, uh, episode four. Pretty much got through all that. Uh, what happened? Yeah. Um, uh, did you want to move on to, to episode five? Yeah, I guess we should move on to that. Yeah. Okay. So now we get back to the uh, sitcom situation, at least a little bit. We get move into a 1980s setting with the with the beginning of this one. Um, uh, we see that uh, Wanda and Vision are having problems getting the boys to sleep. Um, Wanda even tries to use magic on them, but they appear to be immune to what, what she can do. Um, they're trying their best. Uh, 
used to pass fires it works for a bit and then they get shot back up into the faces and uh it's just it, i mean it's it is kind of delightful little uh comedy parenting moments i mean as a parent i kind of understand how that how that can go um and with my boys being nine and nine and six now they they still have problems going to sleep so i i, I feel that but uh Right as as Wanda says, they need some help with the babies. The doorbell rings, and Agnes comes in, and nearly catching Vision in in his true form, which she hadn't seen yet to this point. Um, she explains that she heard the twins were on a sleep strike and came to help. Um, and we finally get to see Vision kind of getting suspicious of what's going on, uh, and asks how she knew that. And that she could hear him crying from the outside and vision, you know, kind of tries to slough it off and haha, funny, but uh, you can tell he's still a little suspicious of what's going on. What would what, what you think about how vision was kind of starting to, it feels like he's catching on to something that's going on and that everything's just perfectly happening, like in a sitcom scenario. And he's finally catching on that maybe this isn't the way this is supposed to go. Yeah, he's especially that part where, you know, Agnes says, she's like, you wanted me to do it again? Want me to start from the top? And he was oh, like, yeah. you can tell he was starting to realize, like, what What was that? Why did she say, say that? And like, and then, you know, as the episode moves on, too, like, he starts to see other things and realize something's off here. Like, there's no way that this is what's supposed to be happening. Yep, and you know they get the the boys to stop crying, and the couple goes to check on their babies, and they're not in their cribs. But as Wanda and Vision are trying to figure out what's happening, um, a child's voice calls out from behind them, and they turn to see the twins. They're now five years old, just suddenly, which is a little disturbing. I mean on a bunch of levels. I mean, we already saw that the pregnancy went and just accelerated faster than yeah. anyone could have imagined. But now we see the boys just rapidly aging in, in front of us. It's a little off, but <laughs> yeah. And that's the weird part is about that too. Agnes didn't really blink. Like she saw it happen in front of her and she's like, Oh, but, you know, boys or whatever it was that she said, I forget what, the exact wording, but she was just like acting like it was something normal that just happened. Yeah. Just kind of, well, it's an interesting double, double bit that seems to be going on for one thing. She says she, like, she just, uh, says the joke that, you know, all boys just grow up so fast, um, which yeah, they do, but not like that. Uh, but, uh, also that the, both funny and kind of weird thing to me was that, you know, she's drinking that, or she goes to get a drink that, and she's seems to be almost in a mood of needing to be intoxicated to keep this root ruse going or keep this play going, whatever is going on. It's yeah. just it's starting to wear her down. It looked like. Yeah, I definitely can see that. Yeah. I, yeah, you know, I think like she was 
the way the it was weird the way she said it. it was she was like um what, what did she say I, well she said like um it's oh it's not for me it's for them or something or something like that oh right because uh, she was yeah was, gosh i can't remember how that went it was something where she was babysitting and it's not and it's not for them it's for me or it was not for me for them now i can't remember either for sure but uh yeah it's you can tell it's just something, you know, things still aren't adding up. And now it looks like the characters that are supposed to be part of it are, are starting to fall out of their parts. And, and you can tell that things are starting to go in a weird direction, but um, we get a little back and forth again. Now, as we get to see the sword response base there outside of Westview, um, Monica's being questioned about what was going on and, they're calling it the Maximoff anomaly. Um, but she says she goes on to describe, describe it as pain and how she felt Maximoff's voice in my head. She also says there was a feeling, hopeless feeling, uh, keeping her down and used the word grief, which, I mean, I feel like that kind of ties in with what, what's going on with Agnes and, the, yeah. and feeling the need for alcohol because it's just all of this uh, hopelessness and pain and and grief that you're, that they're feeling. Um, they all seem to be kind of trapped in that sort of perpetual feeling of all of that. And I wonder if that's part of why, you know, we still, we saw Agnes kind of break for the alcohol and break for a way to kind of soothe that pain that's going on with her. But, uh, but we see uh, Wu and Lewis come in um, while she's undergoing some sort of like brain scan thing. Um, they tell Monica that there's a briefing in 10, 10 minutes before the doctor tells them they need to run another scan because something's wrong with the machine. Um, what was it? Uh, Darcy says that the scans are blank. And when the doctor says they need to draw more blood, run, Monica tells her they're done um, and begins to get dressed for the briefing. Um I found that kind of interesting that their scans and that their blood work is coming back uh, different and that things aren't, aren't sort of jiving with what they feel like should be uh, happening with her body and with what's going on. Do you feel like that might be a nod to something or if it's just something that's going on with Wanda's manipulations or how do you feel about that? I think it's going to be a nod to something else. Like I think she's going to, it feels like it's going to be her turning into um, either some kind of mutant or, uh, you know, in the comics, her character was, uh, what did she, I forget the name of her, what, who she was. I, do you remember that name? Uh, Monica Rambeau has had a f few different names. Um, her first one was, interestingly enough, Captain Marvel. Um, she was the first female, female Captain Marvel after the original uh, died in the comics. Um, she went on to have different names, including, I think it was, I know the two of them that I know for sure are Photon, which I think was what hers was for a long time. Um, and then Spectrum, which is one she's packed, she's picked up in the last, uh, I feel like last decade or so. But um, she's got a long and interesting history in the comics. Um, and it, I think that could possibly potentially be a nod to her potentially, yeah, gaining powers or having some, some sort of, uh, physical mutation happened to her where we could see her potentially becoming a, a superhero here in the near future. I mean, 
that was one thing that I forgot to mention that I loved also is that you see um, in episode four in the sword headquarters, when we see a picture of uh, Maria there um, that they gave her the nickname photon in the, in the, uh, in the picture there, which I thought was a nice little head nod to, to that potentially coming up in the future. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering, like, does, do like everybody that goes in there, do they end up having some sort of thing going on with them? Like what's going on with her? Is it just like, because she went through the, like she got thrown through the barriers or, or whatever. And that's why she yeah. so messed up. And that could be, especially because I think later on, Darcy says that, you know, your body's been, uh, manipulated by the by the energies passing through them back and forth as much as she already has and so they're concerned about her going in again but uh yeah i do wonder with uh uh with it being an energy field that she went through um if that's the way that they're kind of uh integrating her potential uh gaining powers um and then being energy based um that that could be part of it but it is kind of interesting to see wanda's uh power spike here like we are definitely get, definitely getting some major power creep going on uh with wanda she began with just kind of general like telepathic and telekinetic type powers um and it just seems like they've been growing and growing as the show's gone on we go from that to reality manipulation to all of a sudden other people gaining powers with within her sphere of influence um it's kind of interesting to see the the way that they're dealing with wanda and the way that her powers are growing almost exponentially as we go yeah and i feel like she's not even fully in control i like they even though you know monica says uh you know it's all her it's all wanda i feel like she's under someone's control which you know people have referred to before uh, as potentially being uh, just slipped my mind what his name is uh, the uh, Mephisto Mephisto mm, yeah I I do see it kind of pointing in that direction um, all of the different things that are going on having you know putting her into this reality that, that she's in uh, giving her vision back and uh, other people too, as we'll mention at the end of the uh, of this episode, and having the kids there, and how do we want to describe it? Being able to uh, give people their uh, give people their greatest not in their greatest desires, but giving giving people the thing that they want, but having it you know cost them in return. Um, Famously for me, at least, you know, we'd see that with the uh, event in Spider-Man after Civil War, where he had revealed his secret identity to the world. This is the comics, not the movie Secret War, the comics Secret War or Civil War. Now I'm confusing events. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the comics Secret War or Civil War, um, we see Spider-Man unmasked so he can be part of the super Superhero Registration Act along with along with Tony Stark and, and the heroes that side with him. Um, and then we see his, 
his family immediately come under attack from that, including his aunt May who gets shot and it's critical. It's potentially fatal. And the only way that she ends up being able to be restored is that Peter gives up his marriage to Mary Jane. It's a, and it's a deal with Mephisto and it's a whole thing, but that's kind of like my understanding of how Mephisto's powers work, which is kind of crazy, but I feel like there's some potential that they're kind of driving towards that potential storyline being a thing where, you know, Wanda asks Mephisto for, you know, vision back as well as others that she's lost and, and that she gets that, but, she gets that sort of in a not perfect way. And also, um, you know, that there are consequences to it, which is an interesting way to bring these characters back that we're seeing. And the next part of the, this episode that we, you know, we see the briefing and, you know, Hayward is starting to like, feel more and more like kind of a bad guy in all this. Like he starts to call, he's calling Wanda, you know, a terrorist and stuff like that. And, but then you start to see, you know, uh, Jimmy and Monica defend her. Like uh, bo- both of them are on, on their side. I mean, on her side trying to, you know, they realize that she's not doing that. She, what she's doing isn't right, but you know, they both feel like it's not all her either. Like it's not, like she's not doing it because like just to hurt everybody. Like it's because she's in so much pain and whatever. But yeah. Yeah. We, we kind of get to see a little bit of, of Hayward getting developed here. And I mean, people could kind of tell even from his introduction in episode four, that he was kind of a shady character and weren't quite sure what to, what to do with him. Um, honestly, he kind of feels like just a, uh, just a typical bureaucratic, like power hungry dude that just wants to uh, get control of the situation. And, and, you know, he sees Juan as a terrorist, so he's going to respond to her as a terrorist. And that's that a lot of people try to read more into it, feel like maybe he could be, you know, potentially a, a scroll or just some sort of villain. And I feel like, nah, he might just be an asshole. <laughs> well, I do want to point out that his name, his name has Hydra in it. So, I mean, <laughs> Uh, that's just, I'm not, I don't think he actually is, but well, and I also feel like there was somebody who made the connection that there was another person earlier at some point that was named Hayward as well. And that they were involved with Hydra and that that could possibly be the connection, which is entirely possible. And I, I'm not discounting any, anything right now, but I kind of land in the idea of like, uh, no, he's just an asshole. (laughs) There was a guy in the show Age of the Shield that named Ward. That was it wasn't Hayward, but it was Ward. Oh, okay. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of then. I really need to go back and watch Age of the Shield. I need to do my homework, folks. This is your um, episodely reminder that you know just because you haven't seen everything doesn't mean you can't jump into this. But sometimes it's good to be precise about these kinds of things and maybe. You know, if you want to go back and do your homework too, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy that's like, um, you know, you have to watch every single thing in the MCU to be a fan, or you have to, you know, follow everything. Like, that's exactly the kind of culture I'm trying to go against here and 
part of why I wanted to do these podcasts and, and kind of build a culture around that idea of, you know, you just enjoy the thing that you enjoy the way you enjoy it and, and love the stuff you want. And this is just us kind of loving the MCU and what we like about it. And also appreciation, appreciating other uh, bits of nerd culture as well. So, um, but yeah, so odd tangent, I know, but I, I wanted to get that in because, you know, I kind of went on a Twitter tirade earlier today because I keep seeing different bits of the MCU fan culture and also just fan culture in general kind of getting after each other. And I don't like that. Yeah. Just, I feel like that's even like, not even just with, with like nerd culture and and stuff like that. It's even just anything like the whole, like all culture of a, like a, as a whole is like people just want to fight over everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are here to be, uh, we are here to promote in an almost X-Men type sense of peaceful coexistence between all nerd cultures and everybody in general. Um, love the stuff you love and enjoy other people's enjoyment of other things. Because I mean, that's my, my thing more than anything is I love people loving things and I love to see people enjoy the, the things that they, uh, that they follow and that they get to they get to be a part of, but we've gone way off course. So let's get back onto the show here. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And then now the scene, one of the probably darkest scenes was when they showed, you know, the, the video clip of, of Wanda stealing vision's body from the facility, which oh, yeah. was, it was like all in pieces or whatever. And she just goes in there and just takes it. And that's the, I want to see more of that too. I want to see how it, how it went down, like what they were even doing with the body in the first place. Like it seemed like they were trying, they were doing some kind of sort of thing with it. Absolutely. Which is a, a thing that I think is important to remember as we go on with this is because um, they say something about vision having basically some sort of almost like do not resuscitate type of order. Uh, and boo. Uh, points out that uh, Vision, you know, wanted this to be the case because he didn't want to, Vision didn't want to be anybody's weapon. Um, and while they say that, you know, Wanda uh, in her grief kind of disregarded Vision's wishes, um, to me, it almost strikes as odd because, like you said, he's in there at, in pieces. Which how they got uh, vibranium synthesoid into pieces is a, is beyond me. But uh, but yeah, that, that he didn't. That vision didn't want to be anybody's weapon. Mm-hmm. It almost strikes as a potential like double edged sword with that comment because yeah. Wanda resuscitated him, un, you know, against his wishes. But what were they doing with Vision? What were they planning to do with Vision? What was the goal of having him there, having him broken apart and trying to figure out what to do with him? I feel like there's some kind of double, double entendre, almost for lack of a better word, to, to what Wu said there, because it's like, that kind of goes both ways. He didn't want Wanda to bring him, bring him back, maybe. But also, he didn't want anybody else to bring him back as a weapon, either. And it feels like maybe Sword was trying to do some stuff there. 
Yeah, I think so. I definitely feel like they're going to answer that question. Like, even maybe they will end up having that into you now into movies too. Like they, I feel like maybe we won't get that answered on this show like directly. Like, and then have some kind of involvement with that going into um, the multiverse of madness. Oh yeah. That could be. That would be an interesting way to take that. But yeah. Wu asks in, in there how she how she even managed to bring Vision back to life, which, yeah, all of us are kind of wondering that. <laughs> like, after episode four, when he's got the, the whiteboard there and you see Twitter kind of doing the whole thing where, where Jimmy Wu is all of us, where everybody's kind of doing the same thing, where we're all trying to do our little vision board of that vision board uh of uh, trying to put together what's going on uh how she's able to do all of this and how how it's all happening but then darcy also brings up the point of one we wonder what's going to happen when vision learns the truth um uh, and so then we see what in in the home the uh twins are hiding something in the kitchen sink uh Juan is finds out that the boys have a dog and then the boys ask to ask to keep them. Uh, Vision comes in uh, a little bit after that in his human form. And when Wanda asks him about his disguise, he explains he had a hunch someone might pop over. And right on cue, Agnes comes in the back door with the dog house, which Vision finds odd. Uh, Agnes asks the boys if they've named the dog yet. After the dog somehow short circuits an out, outlet they, she suggests they go with sparky oh my wife's trying to call so i might i might have to cut it off here in a little bit um but uh, then can you still hear me oh yeah i hear you okay yeah, and then like Vision, like starts to question it more because like that after that is when Wanda uh, uses her powers to create a a collar for the dog, and then Vision's like, "What? Agnes was right there. What the, What are you doing? You're not even like." She's like, "I don't want to hide it anymore. I want to. I'm not trying to hide it anymore." Um, and yeah, like you're not, and he, he's just like, I'm, "You're not even trying to hide. It. You're not even trying to." whatever put your powers not show off your powers at, at all anymore whatever, like so he's like he's wondering at that point like does agnes even is agnes even gonna like if she sees powers is she even gonna react i feel like she even if she saw it like i don't know if he, she would even react to it yeah we're seeing more and more of wanda either losing control or just Decided not to put as much effort into controlling the situation, and it's starting to get a little strange. And so we see Vision later at work. Oops. We see Vision later at work um, trying to teach Norm how to use the internet. Uh, when the entire office receives an email from Sword and begins reading it aloud in unison, that was so weird to have that going on. Um, Vision starts to kind of get a little freaked out. Um, he uses his power to turn off the computer, turns to Norm, and uses his power to 
awakened, the real rest, Westview resident who immediately begins to panic. Uh, the person playing Norm pleads for help and tells Vision he has to stop her. As he yells for Vision to make her stop, Vision uses a power to, re- again, to return Norm back to his normal sitcom self, which he just jumps right back in. Uh, Yeah, it was just it was odd the way that that he you know as soon as he goes back he just acts like nothing happened and then like continues to be like whatever I don't remember what he said but he was just kind of like this happy self it's like um, he said something about the emails like do you need something or do you need stamps to send an email or something I think it was. <laughs> it's just yeah no go ahead uh sorry go ahead i don't know what i'm saying oh no i was just gonna say it's so weird first of all that vision has these kind of powers that he's kind of showing where he's able to kind of snap people in and out of the uh of the mind trap that they're in i don't i don't understand how that works i guess he had the mind stone before but I don't know how that associates to now since technically he doesn't have the mind stone now and I don't know if that's ever been a part of his power set where he's been able to do that so that was a little off-putting to me but it's one of those moments where you know it's it's just a show I should just sit back and relax (laughs) but it's just very like you know it but yeah that too just the fact that he just snaps in and out of all of a sudden he's relieved of Wanda doing what he's doing, what she's doing to him. And he's just in full blown panic mode. And then all of a sudden he snaps him back and, and the guy's just happy and normal again. And it's just like, what is going on here? But we get back to the, back to the house and Wanda's with the boys playing with the dog. And the boys ask, you know, Wanda where, where the father is and she tells him he's at work. They begin to debate over what day it is. And Wanda, you know, initially thinks that it's or is trying to tell them that it's Monday um, because the boys keep saying it's Saturday. And, and uh, she just explains that there was some sort of emergency at the office. Um, And then some, for some reason, the boys ask uh, if she had a, has a brother and you know she explains that she, she does but that he's far away from here that, that makes her sad sometimes and then all of a sudden they're interrupted when sparky's barking at the door and wanda goes out to investigate and they see the sword drone flying over and and hayward and his team getting the visual of uh, of wanda uh Wu points out that the drone's out of frame of the broadcast and Darcy saying that, you know, Wanda's controlling the, the picture, seeing what they, what they're able to see. Um, Monica is attempting to communicate with Wanda, uh, but instead all of a sudden Wanda's eyes are glowing red. Um, Monica tries to, Monica then suddenly realizes her controls aren't working and uh, Hayward decides to order to another agent to take the shot. 
the drone feeds lost and Monica's freaking out because she doesn't know what's going on. She didn't know if this was what, what was supposed to be happening. She just thought it was, you know, reconnaissance and attempt to contact Wanda. Um, so they try to take the shot. I, th- I think, I don't, did we ever see them actually like, yeah, that was, I was confused with that. Like, I don't know. Did they take the shot and then it just like bounced right off her or did, I don't know. Or did she destroy the drone before they even tried to, to take the shot? Yeah, it, we're kind of left to wonder with that, but um, they they suddenly have an alarm sound and that they say that there's another breach. Yeah, um, everybody rushes out to see, and and this is probably my favorite scene of the whole series so far. Uh, it was just awesome. Oh yeah, Bond coming out in full power, basically just coming out with the force field, dropping off the drone, and she's. What was what did she say that you lost something or you forgot something something to that effect? And I was just I think she was like, "Is this yours?" And then threw it. Oh yeah. And I love I love that she has her Sokovian accent. It was it made the whole thing. I think. Yes. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I didn't. Yeah. I. Huh. She was just like, yeah. Um, I. I forget the exact wording, but she said something like, I, I won't, I mean, I don't have to, but I, or I won't, or I forget the, what the hell she said. No. I have to watch this again. Yeah. This was one I, I really wish I'd rewatched again. I, I've only watched it a couple of times and I, I, like I said, I totally missed the accent part. I, I've kind of been failing to even try to pay attention to that. Cause it was, it hadn't been something that, uh, you know, the accent doesn't get mentioned until later, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, it's like, this is your only warning to stay away. That's what she was saying. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to, she wants to keep them out. She's got, she's built what she wants and she doesn't want them messing with it. And, you know, you immediately you're both scared for what kind of, power and potential that she has and what she's doing to these people, but are also like immediately sympathetic to her and her trauma and what she's been dealing with. And the fact that she's trying to kind of recover what she can out of, out of the wreckage of her, her life. And it's, it's very fond but this is something that we've kind of been missing from, from a lot of the, uh, the MCU, which is the, the sympathetic villain, the villain that you're like, I, you know, you don't like them. You don't want, want them to win, but at the same time, you understand where they're coming from. Um, and that's what we get with Wanda here. And though she's sort of both the hero and the villain of the story in, in a lot of different ways, it's a very awesome touch that they do do with Wanda here, that they kind of build the sympathetic villain potential with her where you, you don't want her to do what she's doing to the people there, but you also understand completely why she's doing what she's doing. Yeah. I, yeah, she's pretty much like an anti-hero. Right? Um, you'd probably say, probably call her. Um, yeah. In some, in some senses, absolutely. Um, and that scene, I mean, she, the fact that she had them, all the sword agents like 
uh, point the weapons at Hayward who says something too. Like she didn't go against Monica or anything. It was directly to him. So I think she kind of realizes that he's like the main guy that wants to try and to stop her. Like, yeah. Yeah, and you definitely see that Monica's trying so hard to be sympathetic and to be, you know, there for her and understanding of her and trying to help her in any way, in any way that she can. Um, and that Hayward's just full blown, like, nope, we're taking you out the first chance we get. And I mean, they tried, and you see how well that that got them. But so, uh, but we see Wanda go back inside the hex. Um, and her and the boys go looking for the dog and they come across Agnes holding uh, what appears to be Sparky uh, wrapped up in a blanket. Uh, Agnes says that she found the dog in her azalea bushes and couldn't stop him before it was too late. Uh, the boys share a look and Wanda stops them before they can age themselves up again because, you know, they are, they, they're so traumatized and it seems like every time that they get, you know, the slightest bit of, of trauma or, or something goes wrong that they age themselves up. We saw, we saw them do that when, you know, they go from babies to the, to the five-year-olds and then we see them age up again to where they are now. Um, but then we kind of get some foreshadowing here when they argue whether or not Wanda should use her abilities to fix the dead. Um, Agnes is even shocked by this, asking if Wanda can actually do that. Um, and Wanda almost kind of tries to brush it off and say, you know, she's trying to teach the boys a lesson here about the rules in life, explaining they can't reverse death, no matter how sad it makes them. But the boys continue to, to, to get her to try to get the dog to come back as vision suddenly comes in, um, you know, kind of comforting the children. Wanda seeming a little uh, disheveled with the whole situation. But it's kind of interesting the way they're kind of both foreshadowing is almost the wrong word because, you know, she's already brought vision back to life somehow. Um, but we kind of see it foreshadowing the potential for other things as uh, as we go on. Um, back at back at their home uh, vision, you know confronts Wanda about what he found out from Norm um, telling her uh, that Norm was in pain and just tries to get plead with her to try to figure out what's going on and you know he tells her that you know she can't simply control him the way she's controlling everyone else and then she kind of chillingly responds can't I? Yeah. Which just is like, okay, you're controlling everybody else, and to some degree you get it, but you're going to control Vision too? It's just, it's just chilling to me that she's like this far into the uh, into the act that she wants everybody to follow follow into what you know she wants of this world and what how she wants it to look. Um, it's kind of it's kind of unnerving. But, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, she's trying to 
to end the argument by having the credits roll on the sitcom, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. that, you know, it goes over, this isn't happening anymore, but you know, vision kind of breaks in and is like, no, we're not ending this here. You can't just, you can't just end the argument like that. And he confronts her and eventually uses his powers to kind of, you know, go into attack mode and Wanda does the same. And she's, trying to tell vision you know that all of this is for them and when vision wants to know what's outside of westview she tells him he doesn't want to know Mm -hmm. um and that includes you know a moment that just that where if i remember right vision basically says you know he can't remember what life was like before their their uh, their beginning there in Westview, which kind of makes sense when you think about, you know, it, all the way back in the first episode when they were talking with the Hearts, and you thought that he was trying to just build a uh, build some sort of excuse for you know who they are and what they were before that, but I, but all of a sudden you realize Vision can't remember anything before for then wow. and i think that whole scene too was in you know that it was a really intense scene i think there i think it might be some sort of foreshadowing too to but even a bigger fight like at the end of the uh, at, at the end of the series well they have like they actually like go, have a full-blown fight uh, with, with their with powers and everything or yeah he's trying to stop her from doing doing anything more or whatever yeah, and I and I love this because th- we get this sort of like info drop here at the end of the show, and um, all the stuff about you know Vision not remembering who he was and not wanting to know what's out- outside of Westview and all of this stuff that's going on, and this is the kind of stuff where I know it's frustrating for a lot of a lot of people, especially people who are you know been living in the M- MCU world as it is before where it's movies so you you know all of your plot and all of your substance happens in just 2 hours or maybe 3 and and that's it but now they're you know building something week to week and just doing it weekly and just building on it little by little and just building the suspense around it i feel like they've just done such a remarkable job about being able to write this as a TV show and be able to just build the drama and build the suspense that's going on with each week, but layering on more plot, but also having those plot layers give you more or as many questions as they do answers. I I just feel like they've done a remarkable job about building the show like that. Yeah, it's been terrific. And I just don't get people that complain about it and say like, why are they, what, what, why are they dragging it out so much and uh, blah 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 week to week and it's like you know what a TV show is like people are <laughs> I think I think people are just so like used to Netflix I think kind of Netflix ruined <laughs> people's way of watching TV they all everyone just wants to binge everything at the same all at once instead yeah. of, instead of having like that something to look forward to I'd rather I'd rather this way instead of binging it because then you if you want, if it's all at the same time, I'll probably watch all this in like one weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have something to look forward to than, because then now this, once this uh, show's over, then I think the week after 
is when Captain and the, I mean, the Falcon and the Winter, Winter Soldier comes out. So it's like, then you don't have anything else to look forward to. You just have, then you just have that coming up and it just leads right into it. Yeah, but this is, I mean, this is some old school TV stuff. Like, and I'm glad you put up the, the, the kind of Netflix and the streaming and the, the way that a lot of shows these days seem to drop their show all at once and you just kind of have to go with it. And this is doing the old school, like weekly, like drama building kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff you'd see in old shows like X-Files or, or something of that ilk where there's things that are building and the tension and the drama is building towards a certain point, but you have to kind of get there in increments. And a lot of people that are, you know, used to either the MCU movies or used to shows that give you it all at once so you can, you know, binge it. Don't get to have that sort of drama build mechanism in their brain. And so they're not as used to that kind of, that kind of show. Uh, but I feel like they, that, you know, that kind of entertainment can be just as enjoyable. Like, like somebody was talking about it in our group chat where we were talking about how much like attention this is getting one division like on twitter and whatnot you know every week something else is happening and people are flocking to twitter and talking about it or flocking to whatever social media platforms or 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 chats or whatever and it's just like they get a little bit of that every week instead of just all of that at once so they get to kind of control more or less the attention of people for more than just a week or more than just a couple days they get that for weeks on end now because they're they're kind of controlling the the conversation with that. Yeah, it's like what it's like football on Sundays. You know, you'd look forward to the sun, Sundays every week during this football season, and you get you know get all the games there, and then you want to want more the next week. So it's like that's how this is. Like, just keeps you hooked and keeps you wanting more like you want you want answers like the way that they build up and give you so many questions like what is going on here like you then that makes you want to keep watching and even watch like other things that are on the streaming service like you know after every after every 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 episode ends it recommends age of ultron so (laughs) (laughs) which i I do keep going oh i should go back and watch that but not you know at three o'clock in the morning after I've watched this, this show and I'm just like emotionally like wrecked basically every time. Uh, but yeah, we, we get at the end, the doorbell rings and all of a sudden we see uh, somebody that they've kind of been foreshadowing at for the past couple episodes. Um, but also sort of not because we see him and we, from the, from the back, we see the slick back gray hair or grayish white hair. Um, and so, you know, immediately you're going, oh, this is Quicksilver. Okay, cool. And then you see Quicksilver, but not as anybody in this universe has known him. We get to see uh, Evan Peters playing him. Um, the guy who played him in the, uh, the Fox X-Men franchise which is quite the, quite the twist. I mean, people were saying, you know, how um, even Elizabeth Olsen, I think, had said at some point that there's going to be a 
you know, Luke Skywalker on the Mandalorian type reveal and that everybody's going to be shocked. And, um, yeah, yeah, I was shocked because I can't, you know, you kind of been expecting it to be Pietro the whole time. And so when it is, but also isn't, but also kind of is, it kind of just leaves you going, what in the world is going on here? Yeah. I kind of feel like, I don't know. I still feel like there's another, another cameo coming or another person that's going to be in like that. We don't expect, like, I feel like that. Well, I don't know. I don't think you've seen the Mandalorian, but I feel like that it's, I don't know if it's at that level, like that one. I feel like it's gotta be something like if Reed Richards ends up coming in that, I think that would be maybe the, that would be that kind of level. Oh yes. We've seen a lot of, of hints about the potential, like what's the line that, uh, Monica use. I can't remember. And maybe it's in the next episode. So I have a aerospace engineer that I or something. Yes. Which at, at first I didn't even realize that might be who she's rep. Yeah, I, I just I was that's kind of that's kind of a potential big deal on that too. But I also wonder with her being so um traumatized and reaching out for everybody that she's lost, if she's gonna try to maybe even bring back her parents, which is how oh. and this is me going full nerd mode and x-men fandom and hoping that this happens and trying to maybe read into it a little bit but maybe that she tries to bring back her parent and we find out that her that the parent that she brings back is actually magneto yeah that, that could be something that i'm also wondering if that maybe ultron that comes in too at some point because oh. that's, that's part of her like grief like obviously ultron, ultron killed her brother so yes she may she probably doesn't want him there, but or she could end up accidentally like thinking of him him too much and then manifests him into the into there or something. Yeah. That is entirely possible, and that would be an interesting twist to go on too. So we will have to wait and see. Um I think we will wrap it up for, for this episode. We'll get into episode six on the net on the next one that we do. Um but uh, yeah, anything else you wanted to add before we close up shop here, Alex? No, I don't think so. But I'm just really looking forward now to watching the next three episodes, which I heard is supposed to be uh, an hour each. So that, yeah. that, that's the case. That's going to be awesome. That's going to pretty much be much like a a movie. The last three episodes would be just one, like a one movie in itself. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Br- Three hours, we're talking about basically endgame level length, so that's going to be pretty sweet. So yeah, I think that's it for today, but until next time, uh, keep on, true believers. (laughs) 